Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. And for this week only, get a 110% sign-on bonus. 110% of your initial deposit by using code NEXTROUND. That's MyBookie.ag, code NEXTROUND. Todd Furman, BetTheBoardPodcast.com is with us now on the JohnstonRVCenter.com hotline. What's up, Furman? How are you? I'm doing well, gentlemen, and nothing like college football trying to mirror their professional counterparts, and it'll change how we go about handicapping totals, knowing that you'll get that extra stoppage at the end of the first half and, of course, in the second half as well. You know what's crazy, Furman, is they change the clock rules on when to stop the clock and not to speed up games. Now they're adding an extra timeout, which is going to absolutely slow it back to the pace it was at last year before they changed the rules. I'm curious to see if there are any other adjustments that will come in. Clearly, from what you guys laid out there, they won't be imminent. But in terms of stopping the clock with under you know, five minutes to go or whatever the parameters were, I can never remember with the fluidity of college football. So it's always interesting that they can't leave well enough alone or get a significant enough sample size to see the kind of overall impact it has on these games that we're making some of these changes year in, year out. It's almost like somebody gets a wild hair and decides, you know what? Those four-and-a-half-hour games we didn't want got shortened to three-and-a-half, but we need to tack on another 15 minutes to get about 37 more TV timeouts into each TV window. Hey, before we get into some of the possible numbers in college basketball this weekend and also uh, some, some odds for the college football playoff next year, I wanted to ask you this on a personal level. I have never had more underdogs go into overtime and not cover than I have this year. And I go back to Saturday and watching Houston dominate in Waco for the first 20 minutes. And then the complete flip opposite where Baylor comes back and dominates second half and they miss a free throw. And then Houston hits shot at the buzzer that was ultimately waved off. It goes to overtime and Houston covers. Um, Have you been on some of those bad beats as well? You know, overtime is always where the underdog goes to die. Anytime you tack on an additional five minutes, it's typically not going to work out well for a team that's catching points who has done everything they can in their power to keep a game tight over the course of the first 40 minutes. That game on Saturday was interesting because, as you mentioned, I mean, Houston dominates the first half. Baylor finds another gear in the second half to get into it and then just runs out of steam coming up a few points short in that particular contest. But I think it's like anything else. I mean, when you have a dog, the only thing that can happen in overtime is something negative. Uh, and typically you'll see variants end up playing a role in one capacity or another. So when you're talking about a team in that three, four, five-point underdog range, you never want that game to go into the extra five minutes. You'd rather see it played on the seesaw and hope something ridiculous happens at the end of regulation to put that game to bed. Have you ever seen anything like the overtime record that Jerome Tang now has? They are 7-0 and this year in overtime. He's 12-0 and lifetime. It's incredible. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and I know a lot of folks in and around the Kansas State program will say, well, he kind of coaches this mentality. That's a whole lot of garbage. <laughs> uh, the, the bottom line is you get a bounce here, you get a bounce there, but clearly this is working with a little bit of borrowed time, and you know, somewhere along the way, it does go into a different mentality where his players feel comfortable in those kind of situations, but the record that they've been able to put together in Manhattan is unlike anything I've seen. Uh, so unfortunately, from a betting perspective, there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do with it, But it's been fun to watch, uh, except if you're on the other side of those Kansas State games, knowing that once you go past 40 minutes, it's probably not going to work out real well for you. Uh, So Alabama loses by 20 in Knoxville. Here comes the flip-around game in Tuscaloosa uh, tomorrow night in primetime and and basically for the regular season SEC championship or at least control of your own destiny. Uh, how How do you turn it around if you're Alabama? How do you see this game playing out? You know, we see these games all the time in college basketball where one game on an opponent's home court 
suddenly you get it back in your building and the number is significantly shorter uh, than what you saw the first time around. And you mentioned what unfolded back on January 20th, a 20-point loss for the Crimson Tide, you know, giving up 90-plus points in that contest. And I think when you look at the number and where it will open tomorrow, you could see Alabama right around a pick maybe in that minus one range. I would be surprised uh, if the Vols actually opened as a favorite in this contest for, at Coleman Coliseum, but should be one hell of a game. Uh, Alabama, though, is going to have to put together a hell of a lot better 40 minutes than what we saw in Oxford. I know they came away with a 15-point win, but you don't want to dig yourself a 10-point hole even over the course of the first 10 minutes. So should be one great game. I don't see a huge edge to be found. If anything, I lean towards Alabama, given how prolific they've been offensively this season, especially at home. But Tennessee has been a bit of a revelation, uh, in my opinion. You look at a team that has typically struggled with Rick Barnes to score in the half court, but Dalton Neck has given them a little bit more on the offensive side, and the Vols come in fresh off of a narrow cover in their own right with that 92-84 win against Auburn where they snuck outside the number uh, with some of that late-game variance that college basketball betters know all too well. So Dalton Connect, we were just talking about him, and he's hard not to talk about, especially coming off that 39-point performance. Uh, the individual player props, how often do you look at them, and what is Vegas doing right now with Connect's player props? Rarely, if at all, uh, and that's a me thing more than anybody else when it comes to limits and some of the liquidity. When you're talking about college basketball players, you just can't really move enough money to make it a part of your day-to-day uh, this time of year. Now, when you get deeper into the NCAA tournament, you know, Sweet 16 on in, you'll find some opportunity to actually be able to bet into those. But I haven't actually tracked some of the numbers that are out there. I can tell you, looking at how they typically price the market, that if a player is going to score north of 20 points like he's done, you know, in three out of his last five games, you'll cash those tickets in college basketball more often than not. But the reality of it is, uh, you look at his scoring averages for the season, and most odds makers, even in the marquee games, especially the ones played in the bright spotlight, will typically go off of season averages. So for those folks who know the X's and O's and the matchups a little bit better, uh, they'll find themselves a competitive advantage, and it's why books kind of limit you know, what players are able to get down, especially those with a demonstrated edge. Todd Furman with us, bettheboardpodcast.com, <laughs> at Todd Furman on Twitter. You also see him uh, on CBS, and you can get all the games at bettheboardpodcast.com. I wanted to ask you about odds to win the NCAA tournament on the basketball side. I know we also have some college football playoff odds to get to, but on the basketball side, we uh, Taylor sent these out earlier today from mybookie.ag. Um, you, you know the odds. I don't have to read these to you, but where do I get some value? Auburn is plus 1975, Alabama plus 2300 for our in-state teams. Where do you, Tennessee plus 1275, where do you see some value in odds to win the NCAA tournament? You know, what's uh, emerged is kind of the dominant storyline, at least over the last couple weeks, and probably not even that, I'll say the full season, uh, is how much better it appears that, you know, the Purdue's, the Yukons, and the Houston's may be than the rest of the field. So I think it's always important when you get this late in the season, unless you've seen a team with your own eyes or someone that's flying a little bit under the radar, that you don't really want to run and create a whole lot of unnecessary exposure and liability in the futures market until you know exactly what that road is going to look like to potentially get to the championship and cut down the nets because one of these teams will find themselves on the same part of the draw. And if you believe that Houston, Purdue, and UConn are all a cut above everyone else in college basketball before we get to the Alabamas, the Tennessees, the volatility that has been Arizona, the up-and-down season that we've grown uh, accustomed to seeing from North Carolina, that you may want to wait uh, and try and find a more favorable path. So that's kind of my suggestion there, rather than trying to run and beat some of the odds makers before Selection Sunday that'll come up just a few short weeks from now. Well, my headphones were going in and out, so you said Marquette? 
<laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Dunaway, that becomes the key. I'd like to know who you like in the futures market, and then we can steer clear of them and find a creative way to at least knock certain teams out of their capabilities Uh-oh. to try and be able to win the national championship. Here, here comes everybody back off. Here it comes. I don't know. I don't know if you can hear me or not, but I did, did I hear Marquette? Marquette's the answer, I believe, you're looking for. Marquette. Yeah. I mean, given what Shaka Smart has done in the NCAA tournament, clearly you have a lot more confidence in him than what I do. Everyone remembers that improbable run at VCU. It hasn't exactly been a deep run in March under Shaka's leadership at some of his other spots along the way. How many times have you watched Marquette this yeah, year? Yeah, so Marquette is the answer. How Marquette. many times have you watched him? Oh, I've uh, broken down their game tape. Does even know where Marquette is located? Yeah, where yeah, is Mar- again. Marquette is, uh, is in the Upper Peninsula of Wisconsin. <laughs> yes, it's in uh, Milwaukee. No, that- I know Marquette. Yeah, okay. I just want to double check that you know where in Wisconsin it's located because we go through this all the time. It becomes a valuable geography lesson doing this segment on Friday. And college basketball offers a lot more opportunity for us to place 300 plus schools than what we get with college football, where I have the utmost confidence that you know where most of the 130 plus Division One teams are located. Just listen. You come back with all this piss and vinegar when you have more when you have more rum in your blood than you have white blood cells right now. You come back from your vacation. Sand your toes in the sand and all that. Uh, Auburn's at home after what I thought was a gutsy effort in Knoxville. A game, really, I, the last 12 minutes, they let get away. They should have won the basketball game. Now a tricky, tough game to come down from the game at Knoxville at home against Mississippi State. What do you think of this game? Uh, and a revenge spot for, for them as well. When, having lost in Starkville 64-58 in late January as well. Uh, you're looking at Auburn right around that double-digit threshold. I expect them to open in that 8-8.5 eight, eight range uh, for the trip against the Bulldogs. Meanwhile, Mississippi State, a team on the other side, I mean, they put together one of their more complete efforts, just didn't have enough to get over the hump late against Kentucky. Their defense kind of let them down over the final quarter of the game, giving up 33 points during that particular stretch. Uh, and you look at this Mississippi State team. We know you know, that they have a couple of guys that can fill it up, but not a ton of depth. Uh, I think this is a get-right game for, game for Auburn. So if they're able to get out early against Mississippi State, it uh, wouldn't shock me at all if the Bulldogs were still feeling a little bit of that letdown factor that could be very much be in play. And I think Auburn can win this game going away. Furman, the other day, it was Wednesday, we were talking about odds in college football to make the 12-team playoff. And I remember there was a day when Nick Saban was minus close to 200 to get into a four-team playoff. Alabama, there was only nine teams that were minus. Alabama was on the outside of that. I don't know if Dunaway still got this in front of him, but Alabama was plus 225 to make a 12-team playoff. They had longer odds than teams like Tennessee. Um to me, that, that it blows me away. Kalen DeBoer has done nothing but win. If Nick Saban was still the head coach, they would be one of those minus teams. To me, I don't know if they get there or not, but it seems like you're getting value with plus 225. I think the big question right now that odds makers and a lot of the college football world has in ter- is in terms of what that Alabama roster is going to look like when they get through the spring and if there will be any other defections. We know a couple of the key contributors that left in the wake of Nick Saban's retirement that a lot of them didn't see coming. But to your point, you look at Kalen DeBoer and what he's been able to do at various stops along the way, and this guy just flat out wins. But that doesn't mean the betting market has to buy into that mentality. And we've seen the price move for the Alabama-Georgia game. You've seen their win total tick down a shade. And this is one of the lowest win totals going into the year that we've seen on Alabama. With a 9.5 that's out there, I mean, I came on and told you guys last year that I bet Alabama under 10.5 wins a season ago. I didn't think that roster was quite where they had been felt extremely comfortable when they lost to Texas outright as more than a touchdown favorite in that game. And then, of course, we see how things unfold at Jordan-Hare, which ripped my t- 
ticket to absolute shreds. In terms of the odds to make the college football playoff, it's always interesting because when you see change in the game and with the expanded field now going to 12, we're not sure how this thing is going to get voted on. You have to imagine that the Blue Bloods are going to get a leg up. And I actually think in some of those markets, there's more value in betting some of the power programs that are going to be given a mulligan, if not two, to try and get there instead of taking the long shots. Because what we've seen in some of these markets, and this may be getting a little too inside baseball, is that what odds makers will do is they'll actually deflate some of the long shots, and they're more than happy to take bets on some of that prohibitive chalk because the recreational player that gets involved you know, six to nine months before the season starts isn't as likely to lay a price of minus $2 on a team that we think has an inside track. They're looking for you know, a 15 or 20 to 1 shot where they can put up a little bit to make a lot, kind of hoping for chaos. And over time, especially in a sport where the cream rises to the top, we just haven't seen that play out. I think the other big question is, you know, when we look at the college football playoffs with 12 teams, I mean, no, it's not going to expand yet, but it feels like an SEC and Big Ten Invitational. So if you believe in the Tennessees, the Old Misses, the Georgias, and Alabamas, uh, you're going to put yourself in a very advantageous position that those teams will be given every benefit of the doubt to try and be playing meaningful postseason football in the new format. Shaka Smart's first trip to the NCAA tournament, he went to the Final Four. Since then... He's only seen anything past the round of 32 on CBS. So, So Mark gets the answer. <laughs> Brownie, Dunaway doesn't let details get in the way of yeah, a good narrative and a yard that he's trying to weave. The only coach that makes Shaka Smart's NCAA tournament resume um, look pretty good would be Rick Barnes. So wow. there you go. Those are two that share a common denominator in terms of their <laughs> postseason futility along Matt the way. Matt Painter. Matt Painter ain't great. That's true. That's a very good point. Yep. But, you know, everyone believes in the Purdue mirroring Virginia narrative, loses to a 16 seed, and then do the unthinkable, come back to win a national championship. But until proven otherwise, I'm with you guys. I can't buy into running an offense in the modern era of college basketball, going through a big man, uh, knowing that if you get cold from the outside, Purdue could find themselves on the outside looking in. All right, he is Todd Furman. BetTheBoardPodcast.com. BetTheBoardPodcast.com. At Todd Furman on Twitter. Oh, before you go, Furman, uh, you you follow crypto. Dunaway's a crypto magnate around here. (laughs) Uh, Bitcoin, will it break the, uh, will it break the ceiling, you think? Uh, you know, the way things are going right now, and you look at the ETF inflows uh, that we've seen, the more and more brokerages that get involved in this, the Morgan Stanleys, the Fidelities, I know Vanguard has been one of the main holdouts there. Anytime you start to see the retail contingent get involved, it's always a good sign. But one interesting note, reading an article yesterday, keep tabs on where Coinbase is as a good litmus test in terms of the app download. Once it starts to move into the top five, then we know we've reached a retail saturation point, and that probably indicates where the recent run-up and ceiling may come in you know, over the next seven to ten days. Yeah, and I think tax refund season affects it too, right? A lot of people get their tax refunds and make uh, splurges in the, uh, in the crypto market when there's big stories like this. It definitely doesn't hurt. The other time of year that we've seen run-ups in the past is right around that Thanksgiving Christmas holiday, yep. whether it's FOMO and people talking amongst uh, their friends and colleagues, things have seen that. And you also have a big event coming up uh, with the halving, which will change some of the hash rate there and some of the processing power. So a good time to be invested in crypto. It's amazing that Dunaway, knowing that he's got 200 coins stashed away, still comes in to grace you guys with right his up. presence every single day <laughs> to talk sports on radio and make these proclamations that Marquette will be a national champion in college basketball. I do it for the people, and uh, I would also tell you that I believe those of you that do have coins, these fake, this fake currency, uh-huh. I believe y'all talk it up 
so the price goes up <laughs> so that you can sell it to the people who are listening to you and buy into this way, fake I'll, narrative. I will send you an article that somebody sent me that this is all uh, on the dark web. This is where Bitcoin came from, and it's been around for 20-plus years. Yeah. But it doesn't exist, right? Oh, it exists. Can I put, can I, can I put it in my it's pocket? Can I use it to mark my ball? This, this can I put out. a Bitcoin down and mark my ball so I don't get in somebody's way on the putting green? No, you cannot. You cannot. Uh, this yeah. silence tells you. So you say it's nefarious on the dark web? That's what the deal is? I mean, is? it's the article somebody sent me. Uh, I mean, okay. I don't know how legitimate right. it is. All right, well, when me and Furman are, you know, we're living at the beach and y'all are still working. Just, just we'll let the, us, we'll let us come down one week in a year. Furman, will you let them visit after what they've said about you here? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, Brownie, when we get houses next to each other down there in Destin, uh, we can make them come during the wintertime so they can't reap the benefits of the best right. weather of the That's year. That's right. We'll give you the bad months. All right, Furman, have a good weekend. Thank you. Uh, always a pleasure, guys. Enjoy the great game in Tuscaloosa tomorrow night. All right, buddy. Take care. Furman with us on the JohnstonRVCenter.com hotline. Don't forget right now, Johnston RV Center. Uh, you could buy, I bet you Nick would sell you one on Bitcoin. Dunaway, if you want to go up there and buy you an RV, I bet he would not. I'll, I'll ask Nick. Would he accept Bitcoin yeah, for I, I'm going to say Nick will not. Okay. Uh, Johnston RV Center, I-65, exit 304 in Coleman, 334 in Decatur. Only one way to find out. You go visit them and say, Nick, we take some Bitcoin for this RV. Uh, they got great prices right now just coming off those shows. They did so well at the shows. And a lot of people have been out there to look at the shows. So the pricing is still really, really good, even though we're out of show month. It's always going to be good there at Johnston RV Center. Don't forget, RV warranty forever. Everything you buy... That is new or under one year used at Johnston RV. They uh, cover it with a lifetime warranty. New or under two years used at Johnston RV covered by a lifetime warranty. Where else do you get that? I-65, exit 304 in Coleman, 334 in Decatur. Always online, johnstonrvcenter.com. 